0: Excuse me a minute, it's a bit tight here. I don't want to do a, a topple over the back of the speakers here. Um, good morning, everyone. Morning. It's all nice and cosy, isn't it, this morning? Um, so for those don't know me, my name's Stuart. I'm one of the leaders here. Um, we're going to finish off our series this morning um, on the Book of Ruth. And as many of you know, it's today's Mother's Day, and I know it's not an easy one for a lot of us. It's not an easy time. But for me, I'm, I'm blessed to have quite a funny mother. Um, there's no other way to say that, because she doesn't actually realise that she's funny. Um, but she's um, a deeply caring, funny, Northern Irish lady. That's my mum. And um, quite a few of you here have met her over the years, over the years I've been in Bristol. And um, if you have never met her. She probably knows you. If you're a friend of mine on social media, she's bound to have stalked you because I'm one of these sons that kind of rarely remembers to ring my mother. (laughs) So it can go for six weeks, eight weeks, where I eventually, Sarah, say, you need to speak to your mum. Oh, oh yeah. But she seems to know everything that's going on in my life because she just follows me and anyone else that follows me and their lives on social media. But there's one thing about my mum that I've appreciated is that she's deeply committed to people she's deeply caring and always looks out for those, particularly those on the edge so much so if she hears an ambulance go past she bursts into tears (laughs) she hates seeing people who are vulnerable she's very scatty (laughs) she's on another planet sometimes but there's something about her characteristics that i admire there's something good in her characteristics um that in all our characteristics that we see in our families you know often we look at the kind of there's a lot of tv programs about ancestors and all that kind of stuff about you know looking back into your ancestry there are a lot of characteristics both good and bad in our genes and over the last last few um, weeks, we've been looking at the book of Ruth. La- last week, Sarah looked at Ruth and Boaz's characters into their story. How does that affect who they are? And this morning, I'm going to finish off that series. I'm not going to delve back into some of the stuff that Sarah looked at last week. I want to recommend watching that or listening to that online. But today, we're going to zoom forward to what those characteristics of Boaz and of Ruth, of Naomi, bring into our lives and into the story that we are in. So for centuries, Christians have seen this relationship between Ruth and Boaz as a picture of the Christian's relationship, our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to use a phrase here called, Jesus Christ, I would argue, is our kinsman redeemer or our guardian redeemer. I'm going to use that phrase a few, a few times and then explain it. As we've looked at Ruth's encounters with Boaz in the harvest field on the threshing floor, we've learned some powerful lessons about God's heart for the most vulnerable. It's not just a deep love story or two powerful role models, but a journey of revealing God's big story, pointing us to Jesus. In chapter 3, we, um, Ruth is, is pursuing Boaz to petition him to become what is called a guardian redeemer. Ruth is going to make a big ask of Boaz. She's going to ask him to take Naomi and herself as his family. This means Ruah, This means taking Ruth as his wife. In order to make this kind of bold request, he must find a way as to where Ruth must find her way in to where Boaz is and lie at the feet in this secret place. This is kind of all unravelled. If you read um, chapter 3, you'll read more about this. She makes herself totally vulnerable to seek Boaz's grace and favour. She asks him to spread his garment over her, to take her as his own. It's a powerful, intimate moment. Although Ruth is bold in going to Boaz and making her request, she, she's on good ground. Because legally in those days, Boaz is her guardian redeemer. That means he has a legal right to, for her to petition him. Boaz invited Ruth for a meal to eat with him. He gave her permission, provision and protection. And we're going to jump into chapter 4 to kind of explain the list a little bit more. In chapter 4, in verse, in verse 9, it says this. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi, all the property of Elimelech, Chilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's rid- widow, as my wife Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom tamor bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The, woman, the women said to the Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better than your seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David." So what is this guardian-redeemer thing all about? The guardian-redeemer is, is a male relative, according to in the, the book of uh, Leviticus, had the privilege and the responsibility to act for a relative who was in danger, in trouble, or in need of vindication. So somebody who was trying to clear their name from shame or accusations. The male relative was a relative who was acting for someone who was in trouble, danger, or need of vindication. The Hebrew term for redeemer means appointing this male relative because it means to deliver, to rescue, or redeem a person or property. It was something that was very cultural across those days. Some parts of the world it still is, but really it's about something Um, that is cultural from those days. And this story of Ruth is a story of God's redemption story, of his amazing grace to welcome us all into his story. It's an example of God working through history, orchestrating events to further his plans. So Boaz is this guardian redeemer, redeeming Ruth, from a life of poverty and sorrow and giving her new security, new hope and new joy. Ruth could now experience God's fullness in his abundance, richness and sufficiency. In the early part of Ruth, it actually says, Ruth is often referred to as the Moabites, so female Moab. A signal is, is being given. The writer is saying, Take note, watch out, something's going to happen. That's why, why they actually use that phrase. After Boaz redeems her, she's no longer referred as a Moabitist, an outsider, a foreigner, an alien. Instead, in verse 11, we read the elders pray she may be part of a community of faith, like Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah were the ones who gave birth to Jacob's children, the children who became the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. There is something here of redeeming, of changing, of rescuing, of changing the past. What is demonstrated is redemption leads to inclusion. Redemption leads to inclusion. The outsider becomes part of God's family. The outsider becomes part of God's, the people of God. One commentator puts it like this. The book of Ruth conveys that Ruth the Moabite is ultimately integrated into the Israelite community and is accepted by that community. By ending with David, the book celebrates the rewards granted to Ruth, Naomi and Boaz because of their virtuous actions. But what does that mean to us? What does that, how does that connect with us? We don't live in a world where we talk in, in our culture now that talks about guardian redeemers. We don't have this culture. But we do have a culture where we need to look at inclusion. Inclusion is something we really do wrestle in our culture. In church we do. We're driven by politics and, and media rather than God's redemption story. I think we have to ask ourselves some, some questions really about our consistency of what it means to welcome the outsider into the people of God. Not just outsiders who are just like us, who won't rock our boats, but welcome the outsider into the people of God. And deep down, we know that we actually, we need to be people who welcome all without safety barriers, without protection barriers. And I've seen situations over years where I get really frustrated on this. But I don't think it's helpful to point fingers because I look internally and see huge failings in myself. Where how do I consistently, year after year, decade after decade, welcome outsiders into my church family? This one, the wider family. I love for decades that this church has done that. Way before I was around. And I've been around for a little bit. It is because it's a kingdom of God priority. It's not neat. It's not tidy. It's not comfortable. But welcome the outsider into God's redemption story is what God's about. Chris Kandai, who spoke here recently, said these challenging words. He said, hospitality to the stranger is the key to intimacy with God. And when we answer his call to compassionate action, we will find it life-giving. This revolutionary message runs through the whole of history of God's relationship with humanity. He calls the people of God from the promised land to provide for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Jesus teaches us to care for prisoners, the poor, the sick. The people of the early church lived together, providing for each other's needs in ways that were radical then and now. But in the 21st century, this is us, we're too busy, too overwhelmed, even to begin to think that we can live this out in our own lives. The need seems enormous and what we can offer can feel so small. The challenge to us is how do we consistently live out a redemption story that leads to inclusion or do we let consumer Christianity seep in? Back in September, I we were sharing a vision around for church this year, about being rebuilders, repairers, and restorers. It was what does that look like for us individually, but what does that look like together? In Isaiah 58:12, it says, Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, raise up age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That word restore in that passage means to bring back into existence, to use, to reestablish. And this concept is used right throughout the Bible hundreds of times. But that word restorer is only used in one other place, here in the book of Ruth. In Ruth 4, 14 to 15, in English Standard Version, it says, Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day, without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life. Ruth's son called Obed, prophesied to be a restorer of life. A normal guy who had a son called Jesse, who had a son called David, the great one of the greatest kings of Israel, in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Read Matthew, the beginning of Matthew 1. You will see Boaz and Ruth listed in there, in the lineage of Jesus. We're called to be people who are restorers of life, pointing to Jesus. But we're struggling. We're struggling because we're struggling to ourselves enter our a redemption story. But God's saying, keep coming. Welcome in the outsiders. Welcome everyone into a a story where I will restore. In chapter 1 of this book of Ruth, we read about Naomi losing her husband, her two sons who also died. She's bitter, angry, disappointed. Stuff we can relate with. And verse 20 of of chapter 1, it says, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life. Very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. And then we fast pace to Ruth 4. Through a story of selfless love of Ruth and Boaz. And Naomi has a grandson. A grandson who will bring renewal and restoration to the whole of Israel, but also to her. Naomi, however, didn't see the whole story. She never saw her great-grandson become Israel's king. She never knew of her great-grandson great Solomon writing amazing proverbs. She never heard a single line of the Psalms or the Proverbs or the wisdom of the Proverbs. We have to accept that in God's redemption story, we never see the full picture. We never see how our lives fit into into it, but we have to trust that God is doing something. You know that picture I've used this before, that an illustration of a tapestry. If this is actually working, it maybe appear on the screen. There's a picture of a tapestry where underneath it looks like a lot of uh, knots. And loose ends. But you look at the top and it's a beautiful picture. God's view is from above. He sees a very different perspective. We see all the underneath, all the tangled mess. But God's view is above. He sees a masterpiece. Now many of us would struggle with with this uh, in our lives. We just see the mess. We see unrealized hopes. We see stuff that has been done to us, stuff that we've done. We're kind of wrestling with this. But God is seeing a redemption story, a redemption story. The speaker and writer Daniel Strickland says this, My experience of life with God is messy. It's a mixture of failure and success, courage and fear, faith and doubt. Since God invaded my life, my whole world has been a beautiful mess. I like that. I've been recreated by a designer who loves to recycle. My life has been taken a new shape. It's characterized by light and love. It's a celebration. Even if it looks a little out of control, it belongs to a loving God who has a beautiful plan. The Lord honoured Naomi in an amazing and wonderful way. Boaz and Ruth were married. They gave birth to the grandfather of King David. Ruth became the ancestor of Jesus Christ. The journey is pointing to Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate guardian redeemer. The ultimate one that brings redemption and inclusion. If you read in Hebrews, you read these verses in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Both the one who, and he it's kind of, Jesus is calling us his brothers and sisters, understanding our struggles, acting to redeem us. He says this, both, both the one who makes people holy and those who are ma- made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And in verse 17, it says, For this reason, he made it to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of people. Jesus is our guardian redeemer. He takes this on now. But the challenge to me is what does that look like in everyday life? It's all very well to kind of see this amazing story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. To point towards Jesus. But what does this mean to me today? I don't want to fill my head with a load of knowledge and go out and go, well, that's a nice little kind of link there. Didn't quite understand what, still what he's talking about. But what does that mean today? The phrase that's buzzing in my head for weeks is what is what does it look like in my life and in my city to change the narrative of my life and of this city? God wants to bring ourselves, wants us to bring ourselves, whether we feel strong, weak. Included, excluded into the center of his story. Everyone has a story. Everyone's story is valuable. We're all designed in the image of God. Whatever we've said and done, whatever's been said and done to us, Jesus is still our guardian, redeemer. Model in a story here that we've read over these last few weeks that we've seen a narrative changed. That's an incredible response of God's grace. That's individually. But what does that mean in everyday life? That means for us individually. But what about our city? What about our communities? What about our friendship networks, our families? If Jesus came on earth and he brought in the kingdom of God. What does that look like? We know our country is in a mess. I can't even bear listening to BBC News at the moment, to be honest. What worries me the most is the most vulnerable in our society are the ones who are going to have the, whatever poor or good decisions are ever made. They're the ones who are going to come worse off. Our church and the church called together is to change that narrative. Where media and social media tell us all the negative stuff that controls our minds and our thinking and our perspective, we're called to bring a different narrative. We're called to bring something of God's good stories, God's good news, celebrating the goodness of God. For Ruth and Naomi, their narratives changed. You see that in Naomi. You see that in Ruth. And there's a legacy that went through century after century after century. And as we finish now, I want to give us an opportunity to respond. We're going to have some worship. We're going to have an opportunity to say, okay, God." What's the narrative in my life? We might be thinking, actually, my life is hunky-dory. Everything's going really well. Or you might be thinking, actually, I want to see a change in the narrative of my story. I want God to to break in today, like you did in Ruth and Naomi's lives. I want to see the restorer of life at the center of my life, Jesus. Let's just take a moment. Let's just pray. As the band comes up, we're going to worship in a minute, but let's just take a moment just to think and to pray. Holy Spirit, will you come? Invade our thought patterns and our heart responses. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, I look like the bottom of that tapestry. And God, I need you to break through. Come, Holy Spirit. Give me a glimpse of what's above it. Change my perspective to see above and not just below. Maybe it's the... You hate the word inclusion actually because that means you've got to do something about it Father God I pray that you would reveal to us what it means to be how you welcome all into your redemption story and how we would actually do that reveal to us we pray Thank you, Jesus, that you are the restorer of life. That you are coming to change and make all things new. As we look to you, we look to all your goodness, of your faithfulness, your forgiveness. And we welcome you. Jesus' name. Amen.